Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Halloween, you know, we don't do Halloween in India. But imagine you didn't know this thing, and probably a good thing that we didn't know what Halloween is, because it's kind of... But imagine you had these kids come up to you and mumble something. You have no idea what they're saying. They're saying trick-or-treats, but you don't understand them. What did I do? I just dove in and took some candy. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's kind of us. We're, we're different. We don't... And of course, the, the kid's mother was standing at the end of the street saying, <laughs> a bunch of crazy college kids. But, but the Lord, through my teenage years, even as I left home, had a hand on my life and brought me in touch with other believers who were, I mean, I wasn't a prodigal son. I didn't really go far away, but, you know, I had these little detours. And whether it was Campus Crusade or Navigators or when I first came here to the Bay Area, Peninsula Bible Church, when I went back to Boston, uh, Grace uh, Bible Church, and then a number of pastors and believers here. I know my brothers now, several of them I consider further, walking further ahead of me in the kingdom. Uh, and that's my testimony. And um, I'm here because of the grace of the Lord. I might be COO of VMware um, during sort of the day, but, you know, quite frankly, in the kingdom of God, all these titles, the degrees I have at Dartmouth and Stanford and Harvard mean nothing. Okay, you're really a zero uh, in, in God's kingdom if you don't have spiritual character. Um, so the last will be first, the first will be last. So I tell often people when I come into the church, and the church is not just this building, um, it's, it's, you know, the body of Christ. Um, everything, I'm, I'm the last, I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the least of all. And if Paul could say that, uh, certainly I can. So I want to say that, I appreciate the kind words, but quite frankly, I, I owe it all to, the, to, to my master. And I'm very, very grateful for certainly the heritage uh, I think the Lord sort of brought me full circle now to wanting to spend more time with my dad when maybe when I was 18, I was like, well, I'd like to be as far away as I can from Zach Poonin. So, um, and, and part of what I, I want to share with you today is um, a message that I think will hopefully be resonating with at least one person here. Because you know what God's called us, not just for this one hour, 11 a.m. to noon, a significant part of our time uh, 40 hours, 60 hours, 80 hours. Some people have to work 100-hour weeks is at the workplace. And the faithfulness of God is not tested. You'll be on your best behavior here, 11 a.m. to noon. But then you'll be tempted as you drive away in the parking lot and someone cuts you off. Are you going to get angry? Are you going to flip them off? How are your, your words and actions? And faithfulness is the most important thing that God wants from us. I think one of the most telling aspects of that parable in Matthew 25, where it talks about God giving five talents. Uh, the master gave five talents to one person. That person used it well, uh, gave two, uh, 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 you know, two talents to somebody else. That person used it when one talent, the person hid it well. At the end of that story um, is a wonderful line that everyone here has an opportunity to participate in. It does not say, well done, good and successful servant. That's what the world looks at. How many degrees do you have? What's the, what car do you drive? How big is your bank account? Silicon Valley is filled with success stories. That's all. In fact, I mean, the pinnacle of success stories are here in the Silicon Valley. It says, well done, you good and faithful servant. And there's an opportunity that all of you, it's a grand equalizer. 
It doesn't matter your gender. It doesn't matter your ethnicity. It doesn't matter whether you're eight. It doesn't matter whether you're 80. All of you have an opportunity to be faithful. And faithfulness is tested in the secret. It's tested during those 40, 60, 80 hours that you're working. It's tested in your family life. It's tested when no one's watching you. Uh, I want to start with this example. And by the way, quite frankly, I see the example of Jesus, right? Everyone talks about his three and a half years that are very visible. The first 30 years were really where that foundation was set, which was reasonably invisible, except for a few things that were said. He was, he was um, obedient to his parents, faithfulness. Um, tradition believes that his father probably died and he was the sole provider for his home, faithful in his carpentry work. So faithfulness is something that all of you have an opportunity. It doesn't matter where you're, whether you're the receptionist, the COO of VMware, all of us have an opportunity. And when I look back at this, um, if you get the first chart up here, um, slide up here, you see this, this, this picture that to me is, is very vivid in, in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. Um, and it's, a, it's part of the story and the narrative where Saul is looking, sorry, Saul has been, you know, kind of set aside and Samuel's looking for the next king. And Jesse parades all his handsome sons in front of Samuel. And he says, it's this person, it's this one, it's this one, it's this one. And then this scrawny little kid comes up, David, and, and, and God speaking through Samuel says, that's the one. Uh, because man looks at the outward appearance. Man looks at men and women. Yeah, Silicon Valley's full of it. Uh, all of the things that determine outward experience, but God looks at the heart. And Jesus takes that entire picture of this sort of clean mug and throws it completely inside out. And he tells the Pharisees, okay, listen, it doesn't matter about the outside of your cup. You stupid Pharisees. He was actually talking to so-called religious people. So maybe in a church setting like this, you stupid religious people, first clean the inside of the cup, and then the outside will also be clean. So he's saying, listen, if you're in this religious place and if a dog defecates in the corner here, we'd all be worried about it. But why aren't you equally worried about what's in the inside of the cup that's worse than some dog poop here? Okay, I don't think my microphone's working. If not, I'd get a lot of amens. If you don't like my sermon, my email is gary.gardini at bcc.com. But that's what God's saying. Listen, most of us are focused on the outside of the cup. He's saying, listen, focus on the inside of the cup. And that's unfortunately what's not taught, even unfortunately in churches. We're so focused on the outside. It's good to have great singing, good to have a great sermon, but the faithfulness is tested at home. It's tested in your workplace. And that's where God. So I, I want to share some of the things that have been my own inspiration. I picked five out of the ten values I want to share with you here and how some practical ways in which God could use um, you. But I want to first say that none of the five I'm putting up here are ones where I'm going to stand on a pedestal. God's as much using me uh, as a diamond in the rough. And I, share, I put these up several years ago as things that I aspire to live to even if it's a work in progress. So don't be discouraged as you read these or picture me as any paragon of perfection. I say, Lord, I'm on a journey, and if you are here and this becomes a challenge to you, uh, take and, and if you want the other five that are not on here, just Google or YouTube a, a sermon I've spoken on called Dare to Be a Daniel, see all ten. But number one, my life is a vapor and I'm a citizen of heaven. What does that mean? Think of yourself on a tour of duty in Iraq or Afghanistan. If you were on a tour of duty 
with the armed services there. How much you would long to come back to your home here in Redwood City or wherever you're living in the Bay Area. Because you know that you're just temporarily there. And God's saying, your tour of duty on earth is like that. If you knew tomorrow that you were going to die, and believe me, I'm 49 years old. Six years ago, I had a friend of mine, same age as me, perfect health. Okay, Went to sleep one night, woke up the next morning, passed away. Um, another friend of mine in his early 40s, training for a triathlon, comes back after his workout, tells his wife he has a chest pain, collapses, dies. If you knew that tomorrow, today's your last day, and tomorrow God was going to take you, or the coming of the Lord was tomorrow, what would you do today? Is that important deal that you're working on, uh, or the pursuit of money, or pursuit of something else that's earthly, your top priority? Maybe it should be set and right something with somebody who you have a grudge towards, or somebody you've wronged. Live every day as if it was your last. Because James 4 verse 13 says, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year here or there, carrying on business and make money. Doesn't that sound like Silicon Valley? Why? You do not even know that what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? Your life is like a mist. Think about it. It's sort of like the fog that comes in and out of San Francisco. Right? You live with the sense that our eternal destiny is in heaven. Then there's no disappointments. I would tell you that that's how I've sought to live my life. And there's no disappointment. What's the worst thing that could happen uh, to me tomorrow? Pat Gelsinger decides to fire me. Okay? Hopefully I'm not going to jail. Sometimes that happens. But that's the worst that could ever happen to me. Am I ready for eternity? That's a more important thing. Number two, I will work hard in all that I do. If the Lord grants me success, I will fall on my knees in humility praying for grace to be faithful. And this is something that you don't see often in Silicon Valley. And God gives you success. We'll talk more about it. The most important thing that he needs to do in our lives is make us humble and hungry so that we realize the roots of where we've come from and we never, ever allow pride to puff us up. Number three, building on that, I will be a servant leader, not seeking my own. We're honoring God, encouraging those around me, above me, and below me. Every one of you has a circle. It's a circle. People above you who are your bosses, um, people around you who are your peers, and if you're a manager, there are people who are below you. That circle of influence who's, who's God's given you, and, and you have an opportunity there to be uh, someone who's different. Uh, fourth, I will be careful with all my words uh, and actions. So true. Let me tell you, it's really sad sometimes when I talk to Christians and I tell them, hey, listen, did you know this person in your workplace is also a Christian? And they say, well, it's sad. I wouldn't have known that by the way he or she cusses during meetings. Sometimes non-Christians come to me and say, you know what, you Christians are all the same because that person there is, you know, having an affair. Infidelity is often more common sometimes among Christians than non-Christians, and it's a sad situation um, where we're tested, brothers and sisters, in our words and our actions. Often, I will find people come to me and talk to me because something that they've seen, that I've done or said. Faithfulness tested between Monday through Friday. And the final one, I will be on fire for God, seeking to be a change agent, never satisfied with the status quo. And to me, I like this picture. We just came out of having one of our, our um, services in the gym, okay? Think about the athlete that's coming there or the person who's trying to get fit. 
or you know, swim a little faster or run a little faster. They're always saying, I'm never satisfied with the status quo. Give me a little bit more to lift because I want to be better. If you can do that for an earthly crown, why can't we do that for a spiritual crown? So these are five that I lay out that hopefully could be an encouragement. We ask yourself, now how can we you know, walk that type of walk as a faithful disciple uh, every day? I have three. There's plenty of things in the Bible, but let me boil it down to three S's that hopefully, if you remember Sanjay, you can remember these three S's. Okay? Suffer, serve, and be spirit-filled. Listen, the, the, the Christian walk is not an easy walk. It's being tested through fire. Why? Because it's sort of like I described that athlete that's training. Around that, you know, around that, that bar of gold is a lot of iron that needs to be purified. It needs to go through the fire, and the fire actually purifies that iron. And, and God's testing us, takes us through that fire deliberately to help us change. Um, if you look, this is one of my favorite pictures. It's a picture of Daniel in the lion's den. At this stage of the story in Daniel 5, Daniel was probably about 80 years old. That's the, almost the age of my dad. Imagine you have enemies who haul an old man at the age of 80 into a lion's den, okay? Um, because they're jealous of the fact that you know, God's blessed him. They, they say, you know, you can't pray to anybody else. They see him praying, and he prays out in the open, sends him to the lion's den. He is faithful there. God shuts the lion's uh, mouth up. You know the rest of the story. But I'm here to tell you that the faith and the faithfulness of Daniel inspires others around them. When you're faithful... God will inspire others around you because of that faithfulness. 30 or 40 years earlier, Daniel's three friends, you read in the earlier books of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, where do you think they got their boldness? They got that from Daniel, who was willing to stand up for God without compromise, for conviction, but everybody around them, even religious type of people, Jewish people who come out of, the, out of, of uh, in, into Babylon, who are compromising, they stayed faithful. And this picture to me is beautiful. Because when God takes you through suffering, there's something that's beautiful that will happen, right? If you read the narrative closely, these folks were bound with ropes, bound maybe so hot that the flames actually burnt the people who threw them in, okay? When they walked, they got into the fire, it says, you know, they were fellowshipping there with the angel who believed that's Jesus. They come out, and their hair did not smell of any element of fire. Think about that. Yet, the ropes that bound them were, were burned. So how is this possible? You know, those of us, I don't have much hair left, but those of you who do have hair, hair and, and ropes are the same fiber. How is it possible that the, the ropes around you were burned, but the hair didn't smell of fiber? That to me is a beautiful example of how when you go through fire, everything that's earthly that shackles you will be burned, and God will free you up as he takes you through that flame. Yet everything that's your heavenly destiny will not be touched. Right? Amen to that. Because God... God will protect you. He is not going to have your days be, be sooner than they have to be if you're prematurely. He's not going to let you prematurely die. No person is going to be able to attack you, you know, um, beyond a, circum, a circumference of what God's going to let them not attack you. So this is the inspiration to me. And it's not just Daniel. If you look at um, the, the example of Joseph, another great, great example of mine. Uh, Joseph was faithful. Those of you, I see a bunch of young people here in their 20s. They tell you 20s are the most important years of your life. You got to go get your college degree, get your first job, 
All important. Do you know what, what Joseph was doing in his 20s? He was in jail. He was in jail because he was faithful and for stuff he didn't even do. He was, his, his jealous brothers threw him into a pit. He gets sent to Egypt. Potiphar's wife tries to have an affair with him. He runs away from it. He's falsely accused. He lands up in jail, hopes the person he's talking to remembers him. Even that person forgets about him. Everything that could go wrong with Joseph goes wrong in his 20s. The most formative years of his life. But he was faithful. He was faithful. Right? So God chooses these, these moments of suffering to test if you're faithful. And when you're tested through that, the gold um, starts to appear. So that's about suffering. And it's important because Jesus' calling to us is very simple. He says in Luke 14, um, listen, you know, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, wife, children, brother and sister, even his own life, he cannot be a disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross. What does it mean to carry his own cross? That means that you've crucified the flesh and all of its passions and desires. You're saying no during the times when no one's watching. That's the cleaning of the inside of that cup. Okay, let's talk about the second S. Serving. Okay, let's go forward. Um, this this one is, is difficult because I'll tell you what. When I put up this first verse here, Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking on your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Who in the Silicon Valley lives without, selfish, without ambition, <laughs> selfish ambition? And those of you who are given more and more responsibility, this is a tough verse to live by, right? I mean, Daniel and Joseph, did they have ambition? They did. But so much of the worldly ambition that's selfish is dog-eat-dog, shark-eat-shark. It's a shark culture um, that should have no spirit in a Christian. If God's blessed you, certainly that ambition is good, but should never be in a place where it takes over your life, where it possesses you, and it hinders you from doing God's will wherever God's placed you. And some of the things that have helped me is to say, Lord, if you've given me um, success, I'm going to find ways by which I can bless somebody else. Use anything, whether it's the success or the money, anything to bless others. And find moments in my life where I can be humble. And i got to tell you, I've had peaks and valleys in my life. And I have learned more in the valleys of my life than in the peaks. Because in those valleys, sort of like Job, I got closer to Jesus. I got closer to God and said, Lord, there's something in me that needs to be set right. Um, and that's um, what, it, what it means. Now listen, how do you make this applicable in your life? Servant leadership. Um, Jesus is a perfect example of that servant leadership. And I've sought to find ways by which I could make this practical in the workplace. Let me illustrate for you what I've shared in front of tens of thousands of colleagues of mine uh, at VMware and else place about what this means, right? Let me put up a typical org chart uh, of a company, okay? except I've used birds rather than people. <laughs> the top CEO birds at the top of this, this tree, and then you've got various different branches. And what do you think this poor individual contributor bird who does no, you know, there nobody below them, sees when they look up at the birds above them. 
I can't say the word in church. But you get the idea. But that's unfortunately how a lot of companies are, a lot of organizations are, sometimes even how some churches are. It's very top-down, command and control. I'm the boss, you serve me, right? The spirit of Jesus is the opposite. You actually take this and you invert it on its pyramid, on its head. And if I'm the COO of VMware, my job is to take the obstacles out of the way of that individual contributor, engineer, or sales rep, and make their life uh, more successful. When you take that mentality that's not about you anymore, it's about serving that team, you actually have a happier team. It actually is a sensible thing to kind of do, okay? But so much of the world is focused on themselves, focused on what makes them more and more successful as opposed to how you can help others. And I can tell you, when you have that mind shift, which comes not just because it's good psychology. To me, it comes from Jesus, right? Uh, how do we teach this to our children? We live in a world that Silicon Valley is, you know, I grew up in, in India. We were, um, I would say, poor to middle class family. By all American standards, we were poor. So I saw poverty around me. Many of the things, I mean, I, I don't think we ever went out um, to a restaurant ever um, to have a meal outside on our birthdays or so on and so forth. Um, so how do we teach our children? that, you know, who are growing up in Silicon Valley that's more privileged. We'll have to find ways to do it. One, last uh, Thanksgiving, um, I took my kids and a couple of folks in our Bible study to City Team. And we thought it would be a good idea to just, you know, sing some songs and, um, you know, w sit down with some of the other folks there. And i got to tell you, it was an eye-opening experience to my children. Um, here, here's a picture of a few of us. There's me playing the accordion. Uh, one of my uh, folks in the Bible started playing the guitar. There's us singing. And then we did something which I've never done before. We washed a few people's feet. One of the guys uh, who were in my Bible study is a hairstylist. He cut a few people's hair. And my children got to see firsthand a lot of what, it's not that far from us, 20, 30 miles away in San Jose, um, people recovering from drugs, uh, from every form of addiction, and what it means on a Thanksgiving day to serve. Now, you know, find your own way in which you are exposing your own family to those ways by which you can serve. I think what, one of the things that you're doing here at, at PCC that I admire is the way in which you are trying to serve the community in Redwood City. Doing that church service right in the middle of that school community. I mean, you saw people walking right in. And my prayer for PCC is that you will be a beacon in Redwood City and for the surrounding areas. That people will walk in here and see a different spirit of, of folks here that's different from the world, where you see servant leadership exemplified. So folks, that's, you know, two of the S's. Now you say, listen, it's really difficult. We, uh, this, this Christian walk is, is uh, too tough. We can't be, uh, you know, denying ourselves all the time. Um, you know, we're tempted to be proud. And in most religions, the way in which you become a better person is you grit your teeth, you do meditation, you do a variety of different things, and you hope that you just become a better and better person. And Jesus says, listen, you could try all you want, and some point you're going to fall, right? Uh, you look at the Old Testament. God gave the Israelites ten commandments, and the first nine were very visible. Don't have idols. Uh, obey your parents. Don't kill, don't commit adultery. You could obey all of them, 
And you could fall in the 10th command, which is don't covet. Who's watching whether you covet? That's inside your head. But then Jesus comes and says, listen, I've got something different for you. I've got this incredible supernatural power that I'm going to give for you. In many of the old, olden days in countries where there's, in, there's electricity, there's manual ways by which people produce light. Right? There's a, you could have a hand pump. You could have animals that, that drive certain things, and you can get light showing up. And for a lot of Christians, this is, unfortunately, they're trying, they're trying, trying really hard, and this is a little picture of what Peter was like uh, before the day of Pentecost. And here he is struggling, sees Jesus, wants to walk across, uh, but falls. Few, not much later, he um, denies Jesus three times. So here's a picture of Peter that's walking, falling, walking, falling, walking, falling, up and down, up and down, up and down. And then something magically changes uh, that you read about in Acts 1. When he was, here's Peter transformed um, as when, with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And the most important thing that God has planned for every one of your lives, that Jesus talks about in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, is that when the Holy Spirit comes, it says here, you will receive power. Right? Not sort of this rolling on the ground kind of power or healing. Or, that, that's, 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 if God's given you the gift of healing or other kinds of gifts, the most important thing that what God wants to give us with the power of the Holy Spirit, is that power to overcome, to clean the inside of the cup. And that's how we become different people. It's not in our own strength at all. And that power is available to everybody here. You just need to be humble and ask for it. Right? It doesn't matter whether you're 8 or 80, man, woman, brother, sister. And my prayer for every one of you is that you'd experience and experience that power of the Holy Spirit that can transform your life and many of these things that we talked about that make this cup dirty. Galatians 5.19 is full of them, okay? Uh, all of the, the deeds of the flesh. And maybe we're not victim to sorcery and idolatry, but how many of you here can say you've completely been able to get over outbursts of anger? That's tough. It's one of the things I've been working with our kids. How do we make sure that, you know, they start, they start to learn how to get angry four, five, six, seven, eight. Where do they learn that from? Maybe from their parents. So, but you know what? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, that inside of that cup that's dirty can actually change. And the fruits of the Spirit are examples like this, where you have self-control as an example. You can pick any of them. The one I underlined there is self-control. So many Christians struggle with that. So I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, that the spiritual life is an amazing life, and it's available to every one of you. And where it's tested and where it's is evident is not on Sunday mornings. You can raise your hands and think you're spirit-filled. That's, that's, that's just the show. Behind the scenes, God's testing. Just as soon as you leave the, uh, the parking lot and every day. And God's got a promise for every one of you to have those gifts uh, and, and the evidence of the Spirit. Let me end with a couple of thoughts on ways in which every one of you uh, can manifest some of those gifts of the Spirit uh, in every day. So listen, when you talk about the spiritual gifts, uh, many folks think it's, you know, healing and many other kind of healing of the sick, God, Jesus raised the dead. 
1 Corinthians 14 talks about the most important spiritual gift. And it's probably going to surprise you if I read this. We can move to the next chart. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 3, it says, Pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Now you're reading that thinking, what is prophecy? Is it foretelling the future? There's a lot of misconceptions of what prophecy is. If you fast forward down to verse 3, it says here, One who prophesies speaks to men or women and does three things. Edification, exhortation, and consolation, or some translation says encouragement. Now let me ask you here. That's the definition of prophecy, as per the Bible. Can you be an encourager of somebody else? In my church, they say amen. Good point, say amen. Encourager means that you're coming alongside. God's helped you. You're being faithful, but now you're coming alongside somebody else to encourage them. Right? Edification is taking that to the next level. where you are actually building them up. You're actually going beyond encouraging and saying, hey, listen, you know, let's actually, we can get better. Exhortation is you come alongside them. You're hugging them, but you also give them a little kick in the pants. Some of us need a kick in the pants too, right? That way you have the relationship with that person to exhort them, to build them up. Encouragement, edification, exhortation, again, available to every one of you here. You have the opportunity to be an encourager. I have to tell you, listen, there's a beautiful, I didn't have time to play this video, but if you go to the internet, you will see um, this video that I encourage all of you. It's a beautiful picture of two brothers Alistair and um, Johnny Brownlee, they were running a triathlon in Mexico, seething heat, and Johnny Brownlee was supposed to win that race, but towards the end of the race, about 200 yards from the finish, and it's a triathlon, you've done your swimming, you've done your biking, you're doing the running now, he starts to collapse and start gets, gets disoriented. And his brother comes behind, behind him, Alistair Brownlee, and walks arm in arm with him, puts his arm around his shoulders and encourages him to the finish line, pushes him over the edge. A beautiful picture of um, what God can do um, through any one of you here. That's to me the, the picture of the Christian walk, where we're not called to walk alone. God's called call you to walk with somebody else. Uh, if things are going well in your life, it's a great opportunity to come alongside. And I'm here to tell you as I close, God's got a plan for every one of your lives. Every one of your lives. 22 years ago, okay, um, I was, um, in 1997, I was getting ready to go to business school in Boston. And I come back from having dinner with some friends, and I fell asleep for just maybe 30 seconds in my car. And fortunately, it wasn't on the freeway. It was on a small road about half a mile from my home. Okay? And um, my car hit a telephone pole. And this is what resulted, right? Now, this was before the day of airbags. So the Honda Civic that I drove didn't have an airbag. My sternum hit the, um, uh, the, the, the steering column. I was unconscious for a little bit. They took me to the hospital. Fortunately, no permanent damage except for a foot that was broken. My leg was broken. Um, I looked at that and said, Lord, you had a plan for my life. You chose... I may have wanted to run away from being Zach Poonin's son at 18, but eight years later, a, um, uh, it was actually 1995 this happened, 24 years ago. 
Um, I, you had a plan for my life, and you weren't going to let me go. And to me, it was a little bit of a wake-up call. To, to, I wasn't a prodigal son. I was, you know, had a few detours here and there. Uh, but it was a wake-up call to take my life more seriously, a lot more seriously, and give my life even further to Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, brother and sister, if you don't know Jesus today, today is the day that you can know him. You think you're running away from God? Um, God's not running away from you. He wants a personal relationship with you. If you already know Jesus, and you've, you've um, fallen behind, you've, you know, you're not walking um, with him on a regular basis, and you need to repent. And now is the day that you can be living that life of faithfulness. Um, God can start a new day today. Maybe you are walking in a way that's faithful, and there's somebody else that you need to run alongside and encourage. Any of these three states, where you've not met Jesus, where you're backslidden, or where you are, and you have, you have an option to encourage others. All three of those, God's got a plan for your life today. And I'm here to just encourage you. Somebody, I believe, came here today to hear that message. I pray that it will be a blessing to you uh, in, in your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for being our Savior, Lord, and dying for us more than 2,000 years ago. And you came to save us from our sins, but also to set us on a path uh, Lord, where we can walk faithfully before you. Everybody here has an opportunity to walk faithfully, beyond Sundays, Monday through Saturday. And you, you have an opportunity to, to allow us to be faithful in the workplace, at home, uh, with our spouses, our children. And that's where sometimes it may be only you watching us, Lord. I pray that we would be faithful. If we backslidden, help us, Lord, to repent and renew our relationship with you today. If we're walking faithfully, bring, along, help bring us alongside others that need encouragement, Lord, and help us to be an encourager. Thank you for PCC and for Pastor Gary and this church. And I pray that every brother and sister here would be encouraged, and this church would be a beacon in Redwood City for this community. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.